0: Good morning and welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 12, the passage that Jordan read just a moment ago. We appreciate so much your presence. If you're visiting, we are so happy that you're here. We want to invite you to come back. We'd love to have you come back and be with us. We're so very grateful that you're here today. It's good to see Linda Clark here today. First time she's been able to be here in quite some time. So we're glad that she's able to be out today, and I know that she's glad to be here. We appreciate so much you. If you're looking for a church home, I promise you, you'll find no better place than here at Olive of Branch. Not that we're perfect, but I think we've got a lot of good folks, and we want to do what's right and do our best to be a light in this community. And We would love to have you come and be a part of our work. Love to have you here. Let's look at Luke chapter 12 today in our study. I want to introduce you to a man that had some great plans in life. He was, as we would say, a big planner. The only problem was, however, he left God out of his plans. Many of us are busy making plans for the future, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think we need to be visionary in how we approach life, and we need to make plans, short-term plans, long-term plans. We need to have goals in life every good and successful business is visionary. And those who are excelling in the realm of business, they understand the importance of making plans. And so I want us to certainly make plans for the future, but most importantly, I want to encourage all of us to make our plans with God included. Sometimes we have great plans in life, but we fail to remember that God needs to be a part of our plans. And so in Luke chapter 12, Jesus has been doing a lot of great preaching and teaching, instructing people. And really out of nowhere, someone from the crowd says to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to them, or rather said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Luke then says that Jesus spoke a parable to them. In light of this guy's question, Jesus now uses this opportunity to teach, particularly about the danger of covetousness and the importance of making sure that God is a part of our plans. And so as he narrates this parable, I want to just very quickly call attention first and foremost to this man's focus in life. According to Jesus, he has what we would call significant accumulations in life. Listen to what the text says. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods so as we would say business is booming life is good and so the idea is I need to build bigger and greater barns as we say go big or go home that was his that was his mentality and there are a lot of us that we've enjoyed a lot of great blessings in life and this man no doubt had been abundantly blessed. Life was good, as we say. You know, the psalmist said, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits or blessings. James said every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. All of us have something for which to be grateful for. Many of us, we can give thanks for our physical health, our mental health, Our spiritual blessings, I mean, you think about all the countless blessings that we enjoy every single day. This guy had a lot to be grateful for. He has, as we would say, a sizable estate. A lot by way of abundance. But there's a problem. The problem is, at least from my vantage point, he has become self-absorbed. In other words, everything revolved around around him. As a matter of fact, if you look at the text, it's evident that the hub of his life was himself. Six times, this man is going to talk about what he had. As a matter of fact, if you read the text, there are six eyes and there are four my's. Listen again. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? I will do this. I will pull down my barns. I will store all my crops and goods. I will say to my soul. So you get the idea. Everything is about this man. You know, sometimes we get so consumed with our own self-interest. We forget about the plight of others. We forget about helping others, sharing with others. We forget about our purpose in life, what we really need to do. It's not uncommon to see folks in our day and time who have become, as we would say, selfish in many ways. And if you look at, the, if you look at the, this guy's life, it's evident he's selfish. He's self-absorbed. Everything revolves around him. And there are people like that in our world today, aren't there? There are folks like that in church sometimes. Life revolves around them. And so, you think about his focus in life, but then I want you to consider, if you would, his fault. What what was his fault? What was his failure in life? Well, let me just suggest first and foremost, he was blind in life. You know sometimes we talk about people who have a terrible disease that has robbed them of their vision and I think about all the great blessings that we have in life. One of the greatest blessings is to be able to see. I mean no doubt hearing is important and I'm grateful for my hearing but if you had to make a choice would you rather hear or see what would you choose? Vision is so important. But sometimes people can see well physically, but spiritually, they're blind. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, Paul talks about how the God of this world, the God of this age, has blinded the minds or the eyes of them which see not. Jesus talked about those in his day who had become dull of hearing. He said, in essence, they have closed their eyes, they have shut their ears, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and he said, and I should heal them. You ever talk to somebody And the conversation has been going on for some period of time, and it becomes evident. You know what? They're not listening. It's like they're hearing you, but they're not hearing you. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, if we're not careful, that's how we are spiritually. We come to Bible study. We come to worship. We hear what's said, but we really don't hear what's said. Well, how do we know that? Because our lives are not changed. There's no change of action in our actions. And so, here is a guy that has become blinded in life. And again, as I said a moment ago, everything revolved around him. And so, he has become blind to the word of God and to the will of God. Well, how do you know that? Well, because he forgot God in life. Do you remember... What Jesus said in his narration. This guy said, So you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your, e- take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Think about how many times we hear. Lessons accentuating, laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. But we're more concerned about laying up for ourselves treasures here on earth. It's all about the here and now. It's about what we can accumulate here in life. And the idea is at some point in time, when life settles down, when things become more convenient, then we'll set aside some time. And we'll begin laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Sometimes we become blind to God's eternal truth. Did Jesus not say to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Did Paul not say that we're to set our minds, set our affections on things above and not on things which are upon this earth? The answer is yes. And we hear it time and again, but how many times do we hear it, but we really don't hear it? We know we're supposed to put God first. We understand we're to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. That he is to be the focal point of life. We hear it, we hear it, we hear it, but we don't hear it. This guy, blind to the word of God and to the will of God. Could I ask you a question? Does God have your best interest at heart? Does God want the absolute very best for you? Would you say yes or no? Yes. God is interested in every single person, isn't He? God loves everybody. And God wants all of us to enjoy the riches of His blessings. The Bible says in Ephesians 1-3 that every spiritual blessing known to man resides in Christ Jesus. And so those who are in Christ are blessed. As a matter of fact, Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 2 that God has raised us up to enjoy the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ. So if you're a Christian, you're a blessed person. And once you become a child of God, what God wants you to do is to live the Christian life, keeping him a part, a viable part of your life, of your daily plans, right? So you think about, here's a guy who was blind in life. So I think about his blindness in life, but then what about his brevity in life? Listen again to what Jesus said about this fellow. And as we read this, I want you to think about the suddenness of his death. His idea is, I'm going to pull down my barns and I'm going to build greater barns. Business is booming, life is good, bigger is better. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to invest now. And then reap the rewards of my investment. But here's what Jesus said. You fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, you're not going to live through the night. You're not going to be here tomorrow. Do you remember in James chapter 4 when James talked about the brevity of life? You remember that? I mean, I think about the brevity of life. The psalmist said we might live to be 70. We might reach the age of 80. But he said you need to understand life is accompanied by strength, sorrow, and labor. And then he said it's soon cut off and we fly away. So the exhortation is teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. In other words, use your time wisely because you just might not be here tomorrow. And so he talks about the man who says, I'll go into this city or that city and trade and get gain. And James said, look, you need to say, if the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. The bottom line is, you don't have assurance of tomorrow, do you? Now you say, now that's not going to happen to me. You think if you had opportunity to interview this man, that he would have said possibility I could be gone by tomorrow? I'm thinking about death. Please listen very carefully. There are people that have already started their day in America. They got up, they ate breakfast, they read the paper. They've had their morning coffee. They've gotten dressed for worship or work or life. Their head will never see the pillow tonight. That's just how quick it can happen. There are folks that will have massive heart attacks today, they'll be gone. There are people who will have a massive stroke, they'll be gone. Some will be in an automobile accident and they'll be in eternity before the night closes. Some, right down the road, there's a hospice house on Goodman. There are some who are residents there today as we speak. They may not make it through the evening. Don't tell me it can't happen to you or to me. The bottom line is it can happen. It does happen. It happens a lot. And so we talk about the suddenness of his death and then the surety of his death. Here's what you need to understand. You will not get out of this life alive. Agreed? You know, the Hebrew writer said, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this cometh the judgment. There are two appointments that you have that you don't even have to make. It might be you call your physician tomorrow and make an appointment to see him or her. You might make an appointment to meet with your tax man this week. You might make an appointment to have your car serviced. You might make a lot of appointments in life, but let me tell you what, when it comes to your death, you don't even need to worry about penciling that date in. You don't have to worry about making an appointment to stand before God on the judgment because that appointment has already been made for you. It's already been made. And the Bible says we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul would say, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall give an account of himself to God. So then each of us, each of us will stand before him. So, the brevity of life. The, sudden of his, the suddenness of his death and the surety of his death. Now, there's a third thing I want you to see in our study. And this has to do with his future after life. Now, let's go back and read again what Jesus said about this man. His ground has yielded plentifully. And so he says, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops I'll do this, I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I'll store all my crops and all my goods, and I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Number one, he left his substance, didn't he? Now think about everything that you have today. Your automobile, your clothes, your home, the contents in that home, your stocks, your bonds, your land. You think about your financial portfolio. For some, it would be sizable, wouldn't it? Could I ask you a question? If you die today, how much of it will you take with you? You know what Job said? Naked came I into this world, and naked shall I depart. Paul said it this way. We brought nothing into this world, and it is, listen to him, certain. We can carry nothing out. You know how much he left? He left it all. He left barns full behind him. Jesus was on point when he asked the question, all this stuff that you've accumulated, whose will it be? Did you know at some point in time in the future, if the Lord delays his coming, your family members or friends will take your estate and they will divide it. When my my grandmother died in 1989, she didn't have a lot, materially speaking, she really didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of material possessions. She was born in 1903. She was a great lady. I loved her then. I, loved her, I love her now. And I remember after my grandmother died, we had the responsibility of taking what little she had and distributing. it. And the thought occurred to me after we Divvy it up everything. It's almost as if she never lived in one way. Because you see, all the stuff, all the little trinkets that she had accumulated, things that were precious to her, that meant a lot to her, they're now in somebody else's possession. So you think about all the stuff that you have and how your barns are overflowing. You need to understand something. When you leave this world, it'll all stay behind you. So what what we need to do, we need to make sure that we're keeping God in our plans. Because sometimes we get off focus in life. We lose sight of what's really important. And we get so caught up in the day-to-day affairs of life that God is put on the back burner, if you know what I mean. And in all honesty, he's been on the back burner for a long time. He hasn't been the hub of life for a long, long time. It's time to move him to the forefront of life, isn't it? So you think about he left his substance, but here, secondly, here's the most important thing. Sadly. I mean, it's one thing to walk away from life and leave everything behind because we're all going to do it. I mean, everything that we have in this life, it's going to stay behind. Somebody else will use it. Solomon talks about that in the book of Ecclesiastes. But more importantly, he lost his soul. That's where the rubber meets the road. You see, he was rich in this life. Oh, he had it all. He had everything you could want. Life was good. Business was booming. But he was to die. And when he stepped out into eternity, he'd been laying up a lot of treasure for himself. But listen to what Jesus said. He wasn't rich toward God. He left God out of his plans. Now you think about how wealthy you are in this life. And one of the things that you possess, that I possess, worth more than anything, it's called the soul. Could I suggest to you that his loss was immeasurable? If I were to ask you, put a price tag on your estate, could you, could you do that? How much is your automobile worth? How much is the home you live in? How much is that worth? The contents in your home, what would you put a price tag on with regard to that you got a business how much is it worth your stocks your bonds what are they worth today not one of those things is worth what your soul is you talk about immeasurable here's what Jesus said what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul if you gain the world and you lose your soul let me tell you what you are a loser we all want to win don't we we all, want to be, we all want to be in the victor's circle. Tonight, they'll play the Super Bowl. Do you think either team wants to lose? They both want to win. They're both going to fight it out. They want to win. They'll be a loser. Wouldn't it be a tragedy for you today to walk out of here, to lose your life and then to lose your soul? Wouldn't that be terrible? You have no idea the loss immeasurable and unimaginable. We talk about eternity and we use terms like heaven and hell and the afterlife, etc. and we talk about that stuff, but does it really resonate? I mean, do we really get it? Do we really understand there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? Do we know that? Or do we just hear it? Oh, we hear it, but we don't really hear it, right? We see it, but we don't see it. We've heard it so long, we become numb to it. The thought of hell doesn't frighten us anymore. The idea is, you know what, there's time. Time to change. Let me tell you what, you may think that. Did you know there will be people in worship today? Maybe not here, but somewhere. They will be in worship today. And this time next week, they will be six feet under the sod. It's true. Let me tell you what, you might be one of those people. You just might be one of those people. So my encouragement to you, don't leave God out of your plans. You can't afford to. You can't afford to lose your soul. This man did. Sadly, there be a lot of folks that miss heaven because God wasn't included in their plans. The good news is you're alive and well right now. And you have the opportunity to obey the gospel as we speak. What would you need to do? You need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, he said, you will die in your sins. And if you die in your sins, he said, where I am, there you cannot come. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Would you repent of all your sins, Luke 13, 3? Confess his name before others. Be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22:16. If you're here today and you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, and in all honesty, Christ has been on the back burner for a long time, don't you think it's time to make, make some changes? Don't you think it's time to put him first in your life? Could we pray with you and for you? You know, the Bible says God will abundantly pardon, 1 John 1, 1.9. Today, I encourage you to come to Christ. Come as we stand and sing.